0: Hello and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Wood College. My name is Russell McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Today, our guest is Drew Flood, hotelier for many many years the K Club the Clifton House and now works as a fundraiser for Aware he left Clongos in 1984 Drew my first question is the same question for everybody, is how was your time in Klongos and how do you remember it?
1: Rasa, good morning to you. It was extraordinary in the sense that I'm the youngest of six from Rastrava uh, in County Down and I had two other brothers ahead of me. My oldest brother, John McNally, who sadly passed away this January, and then my other brother, Richard Flood. So they'd gone before me, and I think while they adored their time in Congo's, I think the whole environment in Congo's was, was quite tough then. Yeah. And me being the youngest, I think there was a big worry uh, that when Drew arrived in Congo's, <laughs> would, uh, would he survive day one or would he be calling uh, uh, headquarters in Rostrefa yeah. uh, to get the hell out of the place? But like everything in life, what what you expect to happen never happens. And I arrived in 1978 up that avenue, uh, which everyone remembers straight out of Harry Potter. And I would happily say I had six absolutely fabulous years in CWC. I thoroughly enjoyed it on two fronts. I think the time I was there, there was a team of of Michael Sheel who we all know, the disciplinarian. And then there was the wonderful liberal headmaster, Phil Fogarty, who just brought a totally different ethos, uh, Rasa, to Klangos. And I think the success and how I got on in Klangos was totally due to those two guys.
0: Yeah, we we only got one year of Phil Fogarty because we left in 78. So we had a mixed year for about slightly longer, but he's only active as a prefect in our sixth year. yeah. But, but you were you had gone to you'd gone down to visit Richard or you'd seen the um, yeah, before I, you went. I'd, there. I'd been there I, so it wasn't a a menacing or a it, it
1: was menacing, but listen, you know, I, I I had been before I went to Clongos, I'd been in the Christian brothers in Uri. And uh, Rossi, you could probably imagine Nuri uh, in the late seventies. You know, yeah. when I would have been in the Christian Brothers, I'd say sort of Baghdad and Kabul would probably be in the same category. <laughs> it it was it was a very unpleasant, uh, difficult place. It was a very happening. It's now a city, and it's yeah. absolutely thriving now, which is, which is wonderful to see. But. You'd be in school in in Urie, the Christian Brothers, and uh, you'd be sitting beside one lad, my good friend, Brandy McCartan, and he'd say to you, Drew, Drew, my dad was lifted last night. <laughs> and that meant that the Irish guards, the Grenadier guards, knocked down their front door probably around half two in the morning and removed their father, who went up to and disappeared probably for a, a couple of weeks. So uh, it was a tough environment. When I arrived in Clongles, it was, it was slightly more <laughs> rarefied. <laughs> And your first memory then is the Avenue? Without a doubt. I think coming up to that Avenue, and I always remember, so was having two other brothers, you know, you, you had the trunk that belonged to Richard and John, you know, mm. and th- their names were carved on top of us, and you had the tuck box. Yeah. And I remember vividly, vividly, I was the youngest. I, I think I, I was one of the youngest in the year, and we were in the inner, inner annex, oh, which wow. was... <laughs> Which was really a very exclusive uh, principality. I think there were six of us in it, and I remember vividly first couple of first couple of, uh, of weeks. There was a chap uh, who was opposite me, and uh, he was from New York. And he was from upstate New York and he came to Tongos and he had this unbelievable red tartan dressing gown, which was straight (laughs) out of fucking Macy's uh, in Fifth Avenue or Bloomingdale's, one of those upmarket stores. And I remember I had uh, probably Richard Flood and John McNally's war-torn dressing gown (laughs) that looks something out of Dickens. Uh, and I remember saying to my mother, uh, one of our fresh physicists, Would you please get up to Brown Thomas and help <laughs> me here because uh, they'll be offering me donations <laughs> now. Uh, I, I looked so distressed.
0: You were also self conscious then about the things that really didn't matter, but they meant a lot in those days, didn't they? Uh, exactly. Maybe my fashion, uh, my interest <laughs> in fashion was. It's come from well. there you're very. you're more. From you're there. different now. You wouldn't wear but, those dressing gowns now. Absolutely, maybe you
1: would But uh, but it, it was yeah, They were wonderful You know, there was another fella Jock Wallace Patrick Wallace Who I remained very friendly with And he mm. went on to join the Irish Guards And uh, he's in London now And I keep very much in contact with him And there was another guy from the north Which was lovely Which really did help Because listen When you arrive in Clongos You know, it is a, You know, at 11 years of age It's kind of Yeah, and Richard of, had left terrifying. as well
0: Richard left in seventy-seven, Yeah, yeah yeah, my cousin Joe Rooney was and Joe Rooney. Year,
1: yeah, was very good to me. But still, yeah, you're very much sort of a, a soul trader. Yeah, and uh, and another chap, he, he was on. He was uh, Eamon Collins, and he was from Kilkeel in County down. Right, and uh, so the, the, the two Northerners uh, and Jock Wallace and our friend from New York City with the wonderful dressing, on, we were all in the inner annex. <laughs> Yeah, And uh, we got on incredibly well. We all sort of looked after each other and we didn't murder each other and we we're still in contact to this day, which says a hell of a lot. It
0: does, yeah. And obviously, it was a different place when, God rest, when John McNally was there because it would have been oh, very last year his, I, I, his I,
1: experience would have been tougher. This John and I spoke many times. He had brilliant friends from Klongos and yeah. I think his friends from were were, were, were were such a big part of, of oh, his, his DNA. But I think the atmosphere in the school when John was there, you know, was a totally different environment. Yeah. Uh, And I think Phil Fogarty and Michael had a lot to that. And when I finish up, I'll I'll tell you one last story about Phil Fogarty. We remained friends. But when I finish up, I'll finish up with one last story about Phil. But it it, it was a good environment. And I actually think being in that inner annex, it might sound a bit odd to other people who are in the dorms or further down. It probably suited because we were a bit younger, and you know, we, it was just it was it was nice it was a nice was a more more civilized environment. Yeah, it's kind
0: of funny because I had two or three experiences like that, not in uh, rudiments, uh, but I was in what they called the rat's hole in oh, grammar gosh, and yes. syntax. So the, you kind yeah. of the eight of you become a subgroup in a way, and then yes. uh, next thing I was in the hotel the next year. So we had our oh, fifth year; ten of us were friends. Because we're a small subset, so it does have something to do. Uh, the way you meet friends, as you say in the inner you know, annex, you get yeah, closer it, to people it, in a different it, way. Exactly, because
1: you know there were sixty-eight in in our year, and uh, so I, I think starting off, you know, in rudiments, and, and then we we'd Leonard Maloney, oh yeah, uh, who has now risen to dizzy heights. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we had Leonard was a scholastic then, and you know he was just a lovely fella. Yeah, you know, was a very nice guy. Joe Ward was there as well. Yeah, but Leonard was somebody who I fond memories of. Yeah,
0: we didn't have Leonard. Joe Ward, we had uh, in Rudiments. Uh, so he was there. All uh,
1: until, uh, if I might tell one story out of school, uh, I always remember uh, Leonard was very proud his parents were coming up to visit him. You know, <laughs> we were all told to make sure the place was tidy and uh, shipshape for the arrival of his mum and dad. They were very, very proud of him, naturally, you know. Yeah. So one of us sneaked into his room just before his parents arrived. He was down meeting <laughs> them, and I think we, we we got a copy of Playboy or Mayfair from <laughs> some back street store in Belfast or yeah. somewhere in said Certainly I wasn't clean, he? It definitely wasn't clean or decent, and uh, we we threw it. We threw it near the pillow on his bed with Mandy from uh, South Carolina uh, doing her best to look very glamorous, which she did a super job. I must admit. But uh, Leonard arrived up with his mum and dad to show him the room and show the boys that proud he was <laughs> until he saw the bed. And I'd say if he never had a stroke, uh, then I think he lived well into his nineties.
0: Well. And then, if I switched gears and said to you, what kind of values or disciplines have you adopted from through your life that you got from your time in Clongos? What might they be?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose there's there's a number of things that you know. It sounds a simple thing, but I think as growing up as kids and you know when you're developing and everything, there's a wonderful thing. uh, I always remember my dad about routine, and it's Mm -hmm. it's, it sounds an odd thing, but there, there, there was a real workings of you know how that your how how your day sort of panned out you know mm. from breakfast to the morning everything was, was was sort of planned out which I think you know that sort of structure and sort of discipline and also the other I think is, is a very positive thing. I think the wonderful thing of of communal living uh, and I would have to say this for the majority of people I know it's a big segment is you know it definitely helps your 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 soft skills uh Rasa uh, because, you know, you have to get on with people, if you understand me, you know. I do, yeah. And, and if you come from a small family, which I didn't, you know, or, you know, you get got an only kid or whatever that, you know, thinks they're God, uh, all you need to do is throw them into CWC and they'll, they'll soon realize... <laughs> <laughs> and brought down to earth very quickly, you know. Yeah,
0: it's not so, a place for come from uh, pontificating. Last and absolutely get through not. Six
1: years, and we had people in our year. You know, majority of people were from all over, from abroad. We talked right. to New York, from Africa, from Senegal. Adrian Bartels, you know, with people from everywhere, and you know, a lot of the people that were there in Clowns, their parents worked bloody hard to pay for their school fees. You know. Yeah. And you know, you know, you were getting your school fees, and you, you realize that you, you know, your folks were working hard to pay for those. You know, yeah. so I know there were some that 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 wouldn't even enter the radar. Yeah, but uh, but it you was know, always
0: it was always a destined for you. Wasn't it was them because your family have gone there. Yeah,
1: my dad had been there. My, my my uncle, my granduncle's had been there. We we had a good sort of tradition with the place. So so what did it teach me? I really think probably two sort of things sort of stand out. I think it sort of gave you a, a, a sort of a, a quiet sort of not confidence is probably the wrong word, but a feeling that uh, in in life, and I suppose as you see in life as you go on, because we all get knocks, you know, that's yeah. that's that's the reality of life. I think it gives you sort of a feeling that sort of things sort of will work out if you understand me, you yeah. know. And I really think that I, I think it sort of it gave you sort of a sort of an understanding that life can be difficult and. You know, things do work out. And I suppose the other thing, you know, the, the use and the sort of use of quite a bit sort of men for others and all that. I just think, you know, when I look at two people in, in my ear and in Congress, we talk all about quite a bit and rightly about great sports and, you know, and business and that. But there's a lot of people that went through there, did wonderful things. And I just look at my own ear. Uh, and I talk about two people in particular. One, one was a guy called Shane Halpin, mm. uh, who was an incredible fellow. I think there was around nine of them went oh, to awesome. They were from Drought, incredible family. Uh, and Shane was in my year, and uh, I, I remember visiting him in, in London, and he was working. Now, this would have been when we left School, would have been in the early nineties, and uh, he was working in a big PR, big public relations company in London, and. One evening, you know, we for a few drinks and then he was telling me he was going off that he was covering these shifts with people that were dying in London uh, of HIV, of AIDS in the 90s. And he wow. would sit with them and do a shift that'd be on their own. They wouldn't have anyone else, you know, wow. and he would go and sit with them for eight hours, you know, and I just thought, wow, what, what, what an incredible thing to do. Then he went on to uh, South Africa. And uh, he worked for The Big Issue then in London. He left the PR business and then he went to The Big Issue uh, in London. And then he brought The Big Issue to Cape Town. And myself and Paul Holland went down to see him in Cape Town. And he's now running uh, a super charity here in Ireland. But, you know, people like him, there was another guy in our year, Patrick O'Connor. I was very tight with Patrick, an incredible guy. Came to us only in sixth year, Rasa, from St. Peter's. Very colourful fella, and he after UCD went down to Mozambique to work for, with Concern, and he worked out there, and he got malaria with Concern, and, and he died. Was he? Uh, And yeah, and funny, we we're, we're having a we had a we had a golf outing for him every year, and the boys kept going uh, down to Wexford, and we're we're having his final thirty-year uh, golf outing. And it's for him on Monday, which, which is unbelievable. And his wow. son, Tendai O'Connor, from Mozambique, went to Klongos uh, yeah. and is now running Perno Ricard. He's one of the top guys out there in South Africa. So a happy ending to... So two, two guys, you know, the point I'm trying to make, you know, who, who yeah, really well, went below the radar
0: because when yeah. I started this thing on a side note, um, Drew, Every says, you know, I want to hear Michael Leary. He Turned me down because he doesn't need the publicity he thinks, and he should <laughs> do this. They go for the typical give, people, we'll give, but we'll I said, give make a gentle push. Yeah, uh, he will get him in the end. But my point was, mm. this is not about the typical guys, this is about uh, people who may be in the middle radar, or below the radar. But I was unaware yeah, no. of the two people you talked about, and even even your own contribution to where in the time you've gone that way. I mean, it's off the radar of most people, but that is yeah. something the men for others obviously stands for. In some way, I know it's kind of a cliche, but obviously it obviously yeah. means something.
1: Those were two people in my year who I have great regard for this year. But uh, particularly, I want to talk about my own year, Russell, for a second. Yeah. And uh, I think academically, uh, we, we we weren't Oxford dons. But <laughs> I think, uh, as Phil Forward used to say, socially, you'd be the one of people you'd want to have at a party yeah, or at right. a room. <laughs> uh, and But the other thing I'd say about my year is that when things don't, you know, we all know in life, and we talk about it, and aware a lot about you, you know, in our court. Well, you know, when things are going well, how do you handle? You know, when things are going well in life, you've no issue. But you know, when you've slight bit of turbulence, you know, yeah, how do you get on during that? We talk about that a lot in mental health. But I just look at my own ear, and I just think for myself, you know, the support I got from my friends and and you know I, I see them I see them all the time you know we're still in contact with wonderful WhatsApp we meet up and uh uh you know particularly you know you know I've remained tight with quite a lot of them you know just the wonderful friendships and the great thing about it is it's reciprocal and I think that's the most wonderful thing if you can get a relationship in life that's reciprocal
0: and goes you know, so long we're, I mean we're, we're having a 45th reunion now yeah we're 40 yeah. yeah so I mean that is a lasting testimony of what happens for the six years, it creates something that uh, germinates and continues for years and years.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I really, I really, really advocate. I look at, look at the, you know, uh, I have a painting or a picture in uh, 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 the hall uh, here, and you know, the odd time rushing out to work, I, I, I look up at it, you know, mm. and we're forty years next year, and. Uh, yeah, you know, Some of them, you know, absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, wonderful, 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 uh, wonderful guys and uh, a, a, a big a big part uh, of, of, of my life. And yeah. as Jerry Adams used to say, you know who you are. So uh, we, we don't need to go <laughs> down that road. <laughs> if and, you know who you are.
0: <laughs> exactly. And we've talked about the memory of the Avenue. Is there any, are there any specific names of people of the people that oh, talk yeah. to that stand I, I, out? I, I,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, Miss Doyle, Margaret Doyle, I, I got to mention Margaret Doyle. Margaret Doyle was an incredible uh, trailblazer. When you think of travel, where she and she, she doesn't get the recognition in Columbus that she should. When I think, you know, during the 70s, 80s and 90s, she was bringing groups of lads. I went to Paris with her and I spoke about that with Michael Sheel. She brought a group to Moscow. Hmm. Yeah, imagine going to Moscow in, you know, yeah. never, you know uh, ma- in those years. Moscow. Yeah, yeah. In the eighties, to go to Moscow, uh, I wasn't allowed to go. They thought I might defect. But <laughs> uh, they, she, she brought them to Berlin. We're in Berlin. Like, all not come down. Good. Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely uh, extraordinary. And I suppose the other, I just think right, I'm looking at the picture. I brought it down here to give me jig my memory when when we were talking about it. And I think the O'Connor Don. Yeah, Uh, I remember him vividly that, uh, you know, he used to do the swimming, you know, he used to look after the swimming and he was very tall. He was very regal. And we were told in first or second year that he was the high king of Ireland. He had a title and obviously being from the north of Ireland, I thought that was absolutely (laughs) marvellous. He was the king. So I remember I, I would come back after the summer in September and I, I got all these copies of uh, country life that were a <laughs> you know, the big glossy yeah. magazine. I brought them back and I pitched up to be the pool. I'd five or six country life <laughs> out of it. I said, These are for you. I said, Well, you love them. And he said, but Jesuit, why would I be reading Country Life? I said, for God's sake, you're a king. What else would you be
0: reading? You know, <laughs> he's the most modest but man I've ever. He met. was the most, he was the most on Country Life guy yeah. you, you could be. Soft spoken, yeah. quiet voice, and his concern yeah. for others is incredible. Yeah, Absolutely. the total opposite to a high king, really.
1: Yeah, but just extraordinary who who he was, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I suppose the other guy, yeah, uh, my mum knew him quite well, and he sort of had an interest. Or he died when I was in Clangos. But the history of him was Cyril Parr. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think he was one of the guys. He was in Oxford and was yeah. an incredible mathematician and <laughs> everything that I wasn't. <laughs> and he was a part of, you know, splitting the ass. He was just meant to be an incredible guy. He, he, he was an incredible guy to know because of the interest of my mum. He was always...
0: And he kept uh, going to the very end. I mean, he Yeah, was and he, and he mean, used to smoke. Mixed years, doing comparison, I can see now at 85, I mean, Cyril Power was going to well into his 90s.
1: And you used to see him on the bench, yeah. and he used to smoke. I don't know what it was—a <laughs> Dunhill or something, yeah, some posh some... cigarette. And he, all the bloody uh, ash would be on us. <laughs> he didn't even use an ashtray; yeah. he just went on that black thing <laughs> they the used to wear. And then you know, I, I don't run too much, but Phil, uh, Michael, Shield—you know, Michael, I rugby-wise was uh, my rugby career won't be written in the annals of clongos. But Shield and I had a great bond. And uh, I suppose being from the north and with the connection with us, Trevor, where he lived during the war, I got on particularly well with him. And uh, when we were in fifth and sixth year, we formed this group and it was called uh, it was called the prayer group. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was around eight guys into it, it was one of the most exclusive clubs uh, in Congo's. <laughs> and she was our padre and our and he, he used to host the meetings and. Uh, Porig Parr of the IRFU fame uh, was in it, and Barry Castle, uh, another good pal, and Jock Wallace, who's in London. It was, it, I, everyone was sort of a bit of a renegade. I think you had to be a lost soul to be brought <laughs> into it. But uh, we had more fun in this group. And like all exclusive groups, everyone wanted to join it, but yeah. no, we wouldn't let anyone else in. Invitation only. And we kept just going uh, for a number of years after school, but I, I think uh, uh, there were too many poppings of corks. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's so much she- more
0: to Michael than the rugby. He, he always Abs- absolutely. and people always forget that, or they kind of. It was very yeah. clear his birthday. There's so much more to him than I, just winning I, cups, I, I, and I, he, I'm all, he's not recognised that. Yeah, yeah,
1: always saying that. And yeah. in, uh, in sixth year, I suppose my only claim to fame was that. Uh, uh, I was president uh, of the House de Basie Society. I, <laughs> I always remember in as 149th year, mm. and uh, uh, that was that was my only claim. But, but she she would have, would have, there was a bit of nepotism there, would have pushed, pushed me <laughs> for that. Uh, and I, I was always very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. And if I said to you, what piece of music brings you back there, Drew, uh, to memories of a certain time? in your life yeah, what songs yeah, would
1: come to mind t- two songs or, or two bits uh, we always in lo- in my dad loved jazz and, and loved uh, love Frank Sinatra which is <laughs> we went to see him live twice which yeah. is just absolutely extraordinary so we would have the, uh, there was always a Cronards uh, playing in, in Rostrever all during our youth you know so when I went to Clongos I was mad about Frank Sinatra now imagine with that charm 68 yeah. listening to Frank Sinatra but I always remember on, on our final night, we used to be in sixth year. We had a sixth year dinner, which was the first time you actually were in Clangos officially and sitting down having a proper dinner with wine and beer and everything. You know, that yeah. like was all very civilized. I think all the other guys had left, you know. Yeah. This was before we did the leaving. We had an absolutely super dinner. We were brought down to the Royal Oak and. And a nice pair of teeth back and lashings of red wine and beer and grape <laughs> form. And I got up and I sang. I did it my way. I hadn't done much. I was only in six. And I sang, it my way. to got a great applause. But I always remember afterwards, we all brought the whole group, 60, 68 of us and Mike and S.H.I.E.L. all in our blazers because we are all dressed for dinner. And we all jumped into the swimming pool. <laughs> Uh, the small old swimming pool, sixty-eight of us, and the last one to jump in was Sheel. And uh, what a, you know, it was sort of like one of those Hollywood movies that <laughs> that you would see, like sixty-eight guys in the yeah. lasers in, in that small swimming that pool. Old pool, yeah. And Mike and see in, in the middle of it. But uh, that song always reminds me of my sixth year mm. uh, in CWC. And the other song is definitely, you know, you come back in September, you'd always be a bit low, you know, starting the sort of the new year and you've always, always had a great summer, you know. Mm. And the other song I always loved was Earth, Wind and Fire. That song's September. September. Mm. And, you know, such a sort of brilliant tune. And I used to play it to beat the band through the dorms and through <laughs> my room. I probably was the only one with a bit of rhythm in, the, in my ear, and I used to be <laughs> dancing in the corridor to September. And those two songs sort of re, sort of remind me of of Cedar by Yeah,
0: and if I was asked to if I asked you to sum the place up in a phrase and a word, what would that be, Drew? Lucky. It's probably lucky that
1: I I was there at a time that was a really good time to be in Klongo's. Lucky that uh, I had a I had a group of 68 lads that were unique, brilliant, and we really cemented together. And there, there's no doubt a, a, about that. We, you know, As a year, we really did cement together. And uh, I suppose, you know, the takeaways from Klongos is it doesn't matter if a guy was six years above you or, you know, you weren't even there during that time. You know, there's always a bond when you meet a Clonconian. Yeah. Uh, and no matter where you are and you meet somebody, and I've met so many through my hotel career and all through the years and weddings, there's always that bond. And uh, I, I feel very privileged that I was there. And uh, it, it has just had a real, genuine, positive effect
0: on my life. Drew Flood, thank you for joining me on Portraits of Cloncones. Thank you very much, Ratha.